The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning, welcome to Coastal, I'm Pastor Chris. Before we jump into the movie, this week's movie, we are in, uh, by the way, we are in week five of uh, this series at the movies. We've had a great uh, summer with this series as always and uh, given away a lot of movie tickets, had a lot of fun, and uh, most importantly, really uh, got to dug into God's word and talked about being a hero uh, this summer. Uh, but first of all, let me just thank everybody for all the, uh, all the birthday wishes today. Uh, I, today actually is my birthday. I'm 51 years old and uh, everybody's been coming up to me asking me, what am I doing? What are you doing on your birthday? Birthday. What are you doing for your birthday? I was like, what am I doing? I'm doing this. I get to be here. I get to preach on my birthday. I get to be with you guys. So I'm excited about that. And um, it's just, uh, it's been a good day. Uh, today is my birthday uh, and Pamela Anderson. She's 51 years old today too. And, um, but I've not had nearly as much work as she's done, had done. So uh, I think I'm looking pretty good uh, for 51. Um, hey, there are a bunch of things in your bulletin today. Ryan said I was gonna uh, just remind you of a few other things. And, and I appreciate him mentioning our summer reading series uh, that starts not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. And so we've actually had a list in your bulletin of the books that we're using. And so very similar to at the movies, except uh, instead of movies, it's books. And these are uh, six books that, uh, that we recommend that you read. And uh, each week we're gonna not be pre- preaching from the book, but from the subject matter of that particular book. And you can buy all six books. We have a limited number back there in the back. Obviously, you can take care of it on your own if you, uh, you know, just order them on Amazon, but we have a limited number back there as, as well. And then we have some other books that we've used over the years for different things that are on the uh, another table, and they're all being sold for a dollar. And uh, so those books, but the summer reading books are pretty cheap as well. So make sure you check those out. But the other thing that I wanted to uh, mention to you uh, that's coming up is... Uh, uh, life groups. Uh, we are we are already preparing for uh, life groups and getting ready for the new fall semester. And um, I would, if you are interested in leading, uh, hosting, or assisting a life group, on the back of your Connect card today, um, it says the exact same thing. I am interested in leading, assisting, or hosting a life group. Uh, let us know. And uh, if you have an idea for a group, any of those kinds of things. Uh, but we we are probably going to have 20 to 25 uh, different life groups in the fall. And uh, we're excited about that. We, we've had a great summer, but we're in Anticipating uh, an awesome fall, and then you also notice there on your on the bottom of your Connect card, uh, the the beach baptism is coming up August the fifth, and uh, man, that's just going to be a great celebration. We're going to celebrate the end of Summer of Impact. Uh, we're having a cookout. We're providing the food. Uh, we have a lot of students that are getting baptized. A lot of adults. Uh, it's just going to be a great celebration. In fact, our goal is to uh, baptize over thirty people uh, this year's beach baptism, and uh, so we're we're anticipating that. Uh, so, I, like I said, we are in week. Uh, five of summer reading, excuse me, of uh, at the movies. And uh, today's movie is Solo, a, a Star Wars story. It is actually the second uh, anthology film following uh, 2016. Uh, there was the movie Rogue One. Now, the plot of this particular movie uh, takes place 10 years prior to the original. Okay, and basically gives you the backstory of Han Solo, of his adventures, and of course, you see how he meets Chewbacca. Now, in a nutshell, uh, the movie begins with young Han Solo living among a group of orphaned children who are forced to steal to survive. 
He manages to escape uh, by enlisting uh, to serve with the evil empire. Uh, he eventually flees the empire, uh, and he's got to decide whether or not he will answer the call to join the rebel forces to defeat the evil empire in hopes one day of returning home and setting the love of his life free. That's the synopsis. Now, think about that for just a moment. Orphan child joins evil empire to survive, escapes, has to decide if he will join the rebellion and return to set his people free. Who does that sound like from the Bible? Moses, of course, Moses. If that is not the story of Moses, I don't know what is. It preaches itself. So I, watching the movie, I'm wondering, did you, you know, come up with this story from uh, the story of Moses? So uh, what I want to do today is I want to talk about Moses. And to begin with, I want to give you a little, a little bit of his backstory, uh, if you will, and then kind of talk about what is probably the pivotal moment in his life, his calling. And it's my prayer today that you will hear God's voice. That today you will hear God's voice and you will answer his call. So, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, not, a, not another galaxy, but yes, a long time ago. Uh, God called Abraham. And he promised Abraham that he was going to create a brand new community. And it would become the nation of Israel. This new community would exist not just for one people, but ultimately for all people, including you and me. But God said to Abraham way back when, the whole world will be blessed through you. And so God's dream was to redeem humanity. And he was looking for a people to help him build this new community. So Abraham leaves his home on faith and he goes to the promised land. But at some point there's a famine. Now, if you know the story, you know that Abraham's descendants ends up, uh, end up in Egypt. And then through a series of miraculous events, Joseph, one of their own, becomes a top official, official underneath Pharaoh. And his family, the children of Israel, end up being honored in this foreign land. Now, 400 years pass, and there arises an evil Pharaoh who doesn't remember Joseph, and he doesn't honor uh, Joseph's descendants. Israel is enslaved. Threatened by the, their population growth, uh, Egypt tries a bunch of different methods to uh, control this nation of slaves within their border. This evil Pharaoh decides on genocide. He declares that all boy babies born among the people of Israel are to be thrown into the Nile River and killed. Well, when Moses is born, his mom can't bear the thought of giving him up and doing that. So she decides to place him in a basket and hide him in the reeds along the banks of the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds him and takes him home to raise him as her own and he becomes a prince of Egypt. Now, in one of God's very interesting twists, Moses' own mother is hired by Pharaoh's daughter to become his nanny and help raise him. Now, this is the same Pharaoh who had condemned the boy babies like this one to death. 
Pharaoh, who intended to destroy the nation of Israel, ends up serving as the benefactor and sponsor of the very one who will liberate all of Israel. Now, that was Moses' life until he turns about 40 years old. Being raised in the royal family means status, privilege, wealth. You know, he, he lives in the finest of homes, wears the finest of clothes, gets the best education. And when he spoke, people did exactly what he said. They listened. Now, apparently, Moses' adoption was an open adoption. In other words, at some point, he knew that he was a Hebrew by birth and he would spend time among his people. Well, one day he sees a Hebrew slave being beaten by an Egyptian. Moses gets so angry that he kills the Egyptian and he hides the body. Pharaoh finds out about it and he seeks to kill Moses. Moses is on the run. He flees to a little hick town out in the middle of nowhere called Midian where he meets a man by the name of Jethro. Okay, not Ellie Mae, not Jed or Granny or all the others, just Jethro, okay? So he meets Jethro and he marries Zipporah, Jethro's daughter. He has a son and he spends like the next 40 years of his life there out in the middle of nowhere, out in the desert as a shepherd working for his father-in-law. So again, get this. Moses is now basically just an 80-year-old fugitive murderer. He goes from this life of, of one who was raised in opulence, raised in Pharaoh's court, full of promise, full of potential, to become a fugitive and a nomad in the desert. But God is not done with him. God is going to call him. But sometimes we have a way of resisting God's call. I think that's one of the reasons why so many people like the story of Moses. I think that's one of the reasons why we actually can relate to the story of Moses. And in the account that we're gonna to read today, Moses raises a series of objections as to why he can't answer God's call. And he gives God reason after reason. God calls him and he tells him why he can't follow, why, why he's afraid. And God, with great love and great patience, responds to each one of his objections. You see, I believe that that's why you're here today. I believe that God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you. If you are not dead, God is not done. He's not finished. Now, you might feel like you're, you're in the desert. You might feel like you're on the run. You might feel like you're a, a, a fugitive. But let me tell you something. God Almighty, the loving Heavenly Father, He has chased you down today. And you are here. And He is calling your name. You need to understand that. You need to, you need to feel that today. You are not here by accident. You are not here by mistake. God's not finished with you. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've experienced, and he's calling your name today. He's calling your name. Exodus chapter three says this. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, 
the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And then Moses said this, listen to this. I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Now, stop right there just for a moment. Now again, get this, 80-year-old man, you know, pretty much just given up on life. He's in the desert. He thinks he's there for life. He, you know, basically he believes that, well, I, you know, I had my shot like 40 years ago and I blew it. I mean, it's all over. I'm just, you know, I'm resigned to the fact that I'm just gonna quietly, you know, go about my life. I'm just gonna die a shepherd. And, and there he is, that's what he's doing. He's just quietly doing his job, taking care of his flock. And an angel of the Lord appears to him and he sees a fire in a bush that doesn't burn up. And then, here's the phrase that I want you to catch this morning. This is what he says. I must turn aside. I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush hasn't burned up. Now, this is important. Moses didn't have to turn aside. You know, God didn't force him. I mean, he comes to this ordinary bush, probably, you know, the same bush he probably passed by a thousand times before. And he never noticed this bush before. But on this day, for this moment, you know, it becomes extraordinary because he's gonna meet God there. I mean, he has this experience. It's, it's on fire, but it's not burning up. Now again, he could have just kept on going with the sheep. He could have looked at it and like, well, that's weird, and just kept on walking the other way. He could have ran home. He could have kept it to himself. Now, I mean, he could have done one of a number of different things. And if he did any of those other things, by the way, don't miss this. I mean, seriously, if he had done anything else other than turning aside and going to see what it was, he would have missed his call. He would have missed God speaking to him. He would have missed the exodus. He would have missed the birth of God's new community. He would have missed the very reason for what he, he was born, for his existence. He would have missed out on knowing God personally. You see, the world was never the same. We have never been the same, all because this man decided to turn aside. So my question for you today is this. Here's the big question. How are you doing at turning aside? How are you doing at turning aside? You know, when God wants to get your attention, when God wants to speak to you, how hard is it for him to get your attention? I mean, do you regularly practice listening to God throughout your day? In other words, taking some time, taking a moment to listen to what he wants to say to you. Because let me tell you something. God, through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through his creation, he is speaking to you all the time. All the time. I mean, do you realize that every single bush, tree, blade of grass is filled up with the presence of Almighty God. In fact, there's not an inch of space, not a moment in time in which our God does not inhabit. So let me ask you, 
How are you doing at turning aside? Listen to me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your history is. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it might have been. You might even be here today and you might feel like you're a murdering fugitive on the run. Listen to me. God is still trying to get your attention. He is still here. He inhabits every inch of space. He is wanting to speak to you. He is calling you by name. He is speaking your, your name. Now, are you listening? Will you turn aside? You know, let me ask you, why do you think you're here today? I'm serious. Why are you here? You're not here by accident. You're not. God inhabits every inch of this space. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says that God inhabits, he lives in the praises of his people. In other words, let me tell you something. God is all up in this space today. He is here. Now, maybe, just maybe, he's trying to get your attention. He has a word for you today. He's wanting you to turn aside, even in this presence, even in this place where he is, his presence is all over, all over this. But let me tell you, sometimes we get distracted and we're not listening, we're not paying attention. He wants you to listen to his voice. Let's continue. What happens? When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing, it is holy ground. He said, no further. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cr a cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a land, a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. And I have seen also how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now listen to what Moses says. Listen to what he, how he responds. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Now, Moses, of all people, I mean, he knows what God's asking him here. He knows what's involved. I mean, he knows Pharaoh is the most powerful man on the planet, the head of the mightiest army on earth. And God says, Moses, that's the plan. Go, tell him that you are taking his entire labor force out of his country and then just walk out. And so Moses has his first objection. Write this down. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, you gotta know that, that Moses has got to be thinking, you know, God, if you had only come to me like 40 years ago, 
You know, you're a little late to the game, God. I mean, you know, when I was younger, when I was educated, when I was strong, when I had a powerful position and I had status, and by the way, Pharaoh loved me. You know, I could have done something like 40, 30 years ago. But now, God, God, I'm just an old, broken down shepherd in the desert. I'm a fugitive. I'm a murderer. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? God, I can't do what you're asking. There's no way. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room, you have all said those words at one time or another. You might not have ever killed anybody like Moses did, but everybody here knows what it's like to have your heart weighted down with guilt or shame and to spend those lonely moments in the middle of the night looking up at the ceiling, just wishing that you could go back in time, just wishing that you could take, take something back and maybe, just maybe, God could have used you back then. We've all said those words, God, I can't do it. God, don't get your hopes up on me. And some of you are here today and you have been beating yourself up. You live in guilt. You live in shame over something that's happened in your past. And this morning, you know, it's as though you're shouting to God, God, who am I? God, you know what? I'll tell you who I am. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I've had an abortion. I've broken my vows. I'm a failure. I'm an addict. That's who I am. That's how some of you feel today. And let me tell you something. God is waiting on you to turn aside and listen to him because he is calling you today. And then God says to Moses what God is saying to you today. And what he says to me, he says this, I know who you are. I know what you've done. It doesn't matter. It is completely irrelevant for I am with you. I am with you. Your sin and your guilt, your limitations, your shortcomings, they, listen to this, they are no longer the ultimate truth about you. For from this day forward, God says, if you'll listen to him, if you'll listen to his call, he says, it doesn't matter, for I am with you. Don't you see? This is the promise of grace. I mean, Moses, this broken down, runaway, fugitive murderer is invited to live in the grace of God. And let me tell you, for some of you, that today is your greatest need. You're here, but you've never really gotten this thing called grace, you know, squared away. Sure, you've heard. And you've been here enough that you've heard that Jesus died on the cross in your place. That you have blown it, that you are a sinner and, and Jesus went to the cross for your sin. You understand that forgiveness of your sin is available to you. It's offered as a gift. And that new life, being brand new, is available through Jesus. But you've not yet personally responded. You've not yet really personally decided to, to take Jesus on as your savior, as your friend. Today is your day. This is your burning bush moment. This is your time. 
And maybe your heart is just pounding in your chest right now because you know, you know what God is saying to you today. He has been saying it to you over and over and over. Do not leave here today without coming to know Jesus personally. Today is your day of salvation. I will be with you. What do you think Moses' next objection would be? I mean, again, who am I? God says, I'll be with you. You know what Moses said next? Well, who are you? I mean, you talk about some, you know what here. I mean, I mean, he's talking back to God. Okay, God, that sounds good. But who are you? Look at verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What am I supposed to tell them? Now, when, God, when Moses asked for God's name here, he's not looking just you know, for a label, you know, for like identification purposes. A name in that, in that time, in those days, was so much deeper than just a label. A name in the Old Testament had to do with your character, who you really were. And so what he's doing here is he's asking about God's intentions. He's basically saying, God, okay, you know, who are you? Am I going to have access to you? Will you give me your power? Will you speak to me? You know, will you answer my prayer? Will you listen? Can I get through to you? Or is the line always going to be busy? What is your name? And then verse 14, God said this to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, part of what, the, what he was getting at there, part of what this means is what God goes on to say in verse 15. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Here's God's answer, I am. I am. In other words, I am the one true God. I am the God who cares for his people. I am the God who has heard the misery of my children when they thought, you know, I wasn't listening. Well, I, I heard their cries and their groans. I saw it when they thought I wasn't looking. I am the God who saw you, Moses. When you are hidden in the reeds, hidden as a baby, I am the God who saw you in the desert. I am the God who saw you commit murder. I am the God who saw you flee as a fugitive. I am the God who is speaking to you now in this burning bush. I am the God of the manger. I am the God of the cross. And this right here becomes the defining moment in the history of God's dealing with humanity. God says to Moses, and he says to you today, this is what you gotta hear. He is saying this to you. He's saying it personally. I want you to know me. I want you to know me by name. I want you to have a personal relationship with me. I am not talking about church attendance. I am not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. I am not talking about religion. I want you to turn aside. I want you to hear my voice. I will be with you. You can know me by name. You can have a relationship with me. First, Moses says, who am I? God says, it don't matter who you are because I'll be with you. Moses says, but who are you? I am the one true God and I want you to know me. Now again, you'd think, Moses, wow, Sign me up, God. I'm having this burning bush experience. I'm talking to the, the Lord Almighty, the one true God. No, no. He gives him a third objection. Here it is. What do I have? 
What in the world do I have, God? Chapter four, Moses answered, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, now here's God's answer. What is that in your hand? You might wanna underline that, star that, highlight that. What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, picture this for a moment. On the odd chance that you're ever gonna pick up a poisonous snake, where do you think you grab it? I mean, if you had to grab it, you'd grab it behind the head, right? I mean, because if you pick up a snake, a poisonous snake by the tail, unless you know that snake personally very well, you've just put yourself in a very deadly situation. And God says, what's that in your hand? And then by the way, he goes on to take Moses' hand, he makes it leprous, and then he restores it. And God says, Moses, listen to me. I created you, I gave you everything that you have, and I will use whatever it is that you got. In fact, take that stick, take that shepherd's staff that you've been using to herd sheep, take your hand, a part of your body that I made, that I gave to you, give it all to me. Because Moses, listen, I can do amazing things with them if you will just trust me. Trust me with what's in your hand. Here's God's answer. Here's his answer to you today, to this objection. What's in your hand? Well, you know, just a few loaves and a few fish. And then when they're given to God, they feed 5,000. What's in your hand? Well, just five talents. But given to God, they become 10. What's in your hand? Just a little seed. But given to God, it bears fruit a hundredfold. What's in your hand? Well, just five little smooth stones. But one of them lands squarely in the forehead of a giant and knocks him on his butt when they're given to God. God says, don't worry about what you don't have, about what you don't control. Give me un unhindered access to what you do have, and I will do amazing things. The question you got to answer today is this. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What do you have? You see, one of the most common excuses that people seem to give to God for not doing something great, for not following his plan in their life, is that, well, God, I just don't have blank. You know, if and when I get blank, God, then, you know, I'll do what you want me to do. Listen, if you're not faithful with what you have right now, then you're never gonna be able to trust God with what he wants you to do next. Stop focusing on what you don't have. God wants you to trust him. God wants you to give him unhindered access to what you do have. I'm serious. Listen, you gotta figure out this question. So what is it that you have? What's in your hand? Time. Listen, your calendar, your, your, your time, that's not yours. God's given that to you. What's in your hand? Money. You don't own anything. It's all God's. What's in your hand? Resources, a home, a car, clothes, talent, gifts, abilities. What's in your hand? 
You know, some of you have somebody in your life that's in a crisis right now. Let me tell you, they, they benefit greatly if you would just take the time that you have and make them a meal. You just go into your kitchen, you pull down some of your food, and you devote a little of your time, and you offer it to them in love. What's in your hand? We got a vacation Bible school coming up. You got time? Listen, we're planting the seeds of the gospel in children's heart for an entire week. What's in your hand? We're serving our community this summer. I mean, we're doing amazing things. We're, we're, we're giving things away, we're feeding people, we're donating our time. What's in your hand? You know, some of you have clothes, a car, maybe God's inviting you into this adventure of just giving whatever it is you have away and to give him what's in your hand, but really, it's just a trust deal, just like it was for Moses. Now again, I'm telling you, you read the story and God's walking through this whole thing with Moses and you'd really think, well, at this point, you know, I mean, man, he's done these miracles. I mean, he's spoken to Moses through a bush, a burning bush, and he's done all these miracles and you think that by now, Moses is ready to sign on. I mean, you talk about a burning bush experience. This is crazy, but he's not. <laughs> And I think this is why we relate to him so much. And he's so human. He's so fallible. Exodus 4.10, listen to this. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. I, I've never been. And I'm not now. Even after you have spoken to me, I'm just clumsy with words. Lord, I can't do this. You know, you've called me to this adventure. You've got this plan. You've got this purpose for me. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I, I don't have the goods. I can't talk. I can't lead. I'm afraid. And God says, not only will I be with you, not only will I work my power through you, but I'll provide for you. I'll help you speak. I'll give you the words to say. I mean, again, you would think now at this point, Moses would be like Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. I am your faithful, humble servant. Nope. Verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. You relate to that? I know I can. But verse 14, Man, it, sh it sends shivers down my spine. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Man, I don't want my name put there in Moses' place. But I, I, want you to, I want you to make sure you see this. Again, even though Moses is afraid, his faith is weak, and even though God gets angry with him, God still has mercy and love and compassion for him. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? He's a good speaker. And look, 
He's on his way to meet you now. And when he sees you, he'll be glad. You will talk to him, giving him the words to say. I will help the both of you to speak clearly, and I will tell you what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people, and you will be his God to him, telling him what to say. And be sure to take your shepherd's staff along with you so you can perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Man, I just love this about God. You know, we're, listen, I'm, I mean, I'm just like Moses. We're just like Moses. We don't always trust him. I mean, many times we just, we just outright doubt him. And we're always looking for a loophole, you know? We're always looking for the loophole to try to get out of doing what he wants us to do. You know, you know if I, I want to get out of serving. I want to get out of loving. I want to get out of tithing. I wanna, I'm looking for a loophole all the time. We're just looking for excuse after excuse after excuse. But he will always provide. He will always point the way. He will always be calling your name, giving you just what you need to accomplish what he is calling you to do. Just like he did for Moses. Interesting thing about this story. You never really find out what happened to the burning bush. You don't. I mean, you go on and read the rest of Exodus and you, know, you find out what happened to Moses, you find out what happened to the children of Israel and Joshua and Aaron, and you find out what happened to Pharaoh, you find out what happened to the soldiers, but you never find out what happened to this burning bush. You know what I think? I think it's still burning. I think God is still waiting for people to turn aside. I think. He's waiting for that right now. I think he's waiting for you. I think he's calling your name. I think he inhabits every inch of this space. I think when you walk out these doors, he's in that tree. He's in, that, he's in the waters on Folly Beach. He's in the, the, the trees. He's in the grass. He's in the sky. He is everywhere. He's in this place. He inhabits the praises of his people. He is calling you. What are your objections today? What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying to God when he's asking you to go on to an, an adventure? What, what are your objections when he asks you to come to know Jesus? What are your objections? God, you know, who am I? Who am I? And God answers that objection by saying, listen, don't you worry, I will be with you. I'll be with you every step of the way. Yeah, but God, God, who are you? I am, I am the great I am. I am the God who created you. I'm the God who sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus, for you. I am the God who wants to love you, wants to know you, who wants to have a relationship with you. Yeah, but God, what do I have? And God's asking you today, what's in your hand? Stop, stop throwing up to his face. Well, God, I don't have this. I don't have that. No, what's in your hand? How are you leveraging everything that he's given you today? What's in your hand? What's your objection? Listen, if you will simply answer God's voice. Listen, I mean, don't you realize that, that if, you, if you keep choosing to, turn us, to not turn aside and to not listen and to not pay attention and to go your own merry way, listen, you just never know on what you're missing out on. What God could do with you. The plan that he's got for your life. And so here today in this moment, 
I'm asking you to turn aside, to listen to his voice, and to respond. Some of you need to respond by entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. He has been calling you by name. You are not here by accident. You have heard this week in and week out. You are hearing it today. He is all up in this place. Come home. Come home. It is one step of faith. It's not religion. It's not cleaning up your life before you can come to him. He loves you just the way you are. He created you. He wants you to come to him. And for those of you who have already made that decision, listen, what's in your hand? How are you leveraging what God has given you for the kingdom? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for the story of Moses. God, I thank you that here's a man that, uh, that you sovereignly brought to a place of prominence. And yet, God, he, he, he ran. He committed murder. He ran like a fugitive. And he was going about his business on, you know, doing his thing. And you spoke to him. You called him by name. You have a plan for him. And God, I believe you have a plan for every single person in this room. You inhabit everything, every inch of this space. And you are asking people simply to turn aside and to listen to your voice and to respond. And listen, if you are here today and you are ready to respond to Jesus, if you are ready to know the great I am, to have a relationship with him, just pour out your heart to him here and now. Say something like this, Dear Heavenly Father, God, I believe. God, I want to come home. I, I know it, God, I admit it, I have blown it, I have run from you, I have pushed you out of my life, but today I have heard your voice and I'm responding, I believe. I believe that Jesus really is your son. I believe that he went to a cross to die for me in my place. He took the, the burden of my sin that I could not bear. He died with it on the cross, but he rose from the dead and he is alive. And as much as I understand, as much as I know how, I believe that today. I put my faith and my trust in him and what he did for me. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow you. I just want to become more and more like you see me right now, brand new, forgiven. Your child, your son, your daughter, adopted forever in your family. And Father, there are many believers here in this room. There are believers watching online. And God, the truth is, so many times, we're just like Moses. You call us into an adventure. You call us into ministry, to service, to love the world around us. And we just keep saying, well, you know, what do I have? And all the while, you're saying, what's in your hand? Use what I've given you. Use what I've given you. God, I pray that we will. That we'll be the church that you've called us to be. And we will love and serve and reach out to the world around us and showing them who Jesus is, the life and the love that, that he gave. We love you. And we pray this in his most beautiful name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.